This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Thank you for your spirit that re-speaks your word to our hearts. And we're ready in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 18, verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, his wife, his children, and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I'll pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I'll pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till the whole should be paid, till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after he had called him and said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldst not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you from your hearts forget not every one his brother their trespasses. So now the Lord Jesus in verse 20 of this passage here, of this chapter, has been addressing the subject, he's been kind of looking over, he's addressing the subject of, of gathering together in his name. And he's touching on a subject here of his followers being in agreement with each other in these verses 19 and 20, when he says, again, I say unto you, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, 
It shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of of them. And as he uses these words like agree and together, we can kind of imagine a smile coming on his face because he's talking about something that makes God very happy. I mean, it's no secret that God calls a an agreement, togetherness, a friendship. Uh, he calls that something that's very good, something that's very pleasant. In Psalm 133, Psalm 133, God says, Behold, how good this is and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And then he uses an analogy in that Psalm 133 where he says, It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, and you can see it there dripping off of Aaron's beard, that ran down to the skirts of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon, Mount Hermon, as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. He's talking about brothers living together in unity. They're not fighting each other. And this is the direction that God's going in. God's going in a direction of unlimited forgiveness, of boundless forgiveness, of a continual forgiveness in a state of living together in unity. So now when Peter comes with this question in verse 21, then came to Peter unto him and said, Lord, how oft, how often should my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times he gives a suggestion embedded, there are certain things that are embedded in Peter's question, because embedded in Peter's question is a totally different direction. It's a direction which is toward not a limitless forgiveness, but a limited forgiveness. It's a direction that's of a forgiveness. It's not without boundaries. It's a forgiveness where there are very definite margins. It's not a forgiveness that's continual, but it's a forgiveness which is occasional, And Peter is going in this direction of a highly conditional forgiveness. Embedded in Peter's question here is is Peter's idea of what forgiveness is. And Peter's idea of what forgiveness is is all filled with the word if. If my brother listens to me when I instruct him on what he's done wrong. If my brother acknowledges that he's been wrong. If my brother is not abusing my willingness to forgive him and using up all the limited chances that I have for him to reform, if my brother has learned his lesson and has not failed me more than 10 times or seven times, if my brother has really reformed, then I will forgive him. See, that's all kind of embedded in Peter's question in verse 21 of how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him seven times. Is that it? So, We're really getting here at a fundamental view of what forgiveness is. Because when a person is offended, when a person is hurt, then he really has two fundamental roads that he can go down, two different ones, fundamental views about forgiveness. And here's how to uncover which forgiveness you and I have by answering a few questions. And the first question for you and I is, Do I view forgiveness as a strange act? Is it strange for me to forgive? Or do I view forgiveness as an act that is not strange, it's familiar, and as a matter of fact, I embrace that? Do I welcome and embrace the chances, the opportunities to forgive another person? Do I do that? Okay, so you should come up here. (laughs) Okay, Jose does that, okay. Second question. 
does it grate on me to forgive another person? Do I hate to forgive or do I love to forgive? Next question. Do I think that it's dangerous for me to just freely forgive people because it puts me in a vulnerable position, vulnerable position of just being taken advantage of? Or do I feel no danger at all of being taken advantage of if I forgive a person? Next question. Do I see forgiveness as something that's outward to me? It's not really part of my core being. It's not me. Don't paint me as a forgiver. Or on the other hand, do I see forgiveness as something that is inward? Do I see it as part of my core identity? I'm a forgiver. Do I see forgiveness as something that has to be limited? That's Peter's question, direct question there. Do I see forgiveness as something that has to be limited? He saw uh, forgiveness as limited. Do I see forgiveness, for example, of a person that has to be limited? Do I say, do I get the numbers? Like, uh, hurt me once, shame on you. Hurt me twice, shame on me. Or do I see forgiveness of a person as something that's without limit? You know, hurt me as many times as you want. Do I see forgiveness as quantitative? Because this is what we're talking about here. Peter's throw out a number. He's throwing out a number, a quantity, seven. So do I see forgiveness as quantitative or as qualitative? Qualitative. Do I see forgiveness as quantitative, meaning that there's a quantity, there's a maximum number of times that I'll forgive a person for the same sin, and after that number has been exhausted, that's it. No more forgiveness. My forgiveness is quantitative. Or do I see forgiveness as qualitative, meaning that forgiveness is a quality of my life, and there is no maximum number of times that I'll forgive a person for the same sin? This is what's kind of embedded behind Peter's question here in verse 21. It's a belief that forgiveness must be limited. It must be limited. And Peter's question is a statement that Peter hates to forgive. Peter's question here is really a revealing that, that Peter sees forgiveness as taxing on him. It's downright overtaxing to keep forgiving for the same sin. And embedded in Peter's question is, it's no love for when it comes down to forgiving. Because Peter is clearly afraid of being taken advantage of and hurt over and over again. And so this is really a view of forgiveness as something that's outward. It's not part of his core identity. Because if a person says, my identity is to forgive, that means the person is being hurt a lot. And embedded in Peter's question is the desire not to be hurt. Just like he's talked about the Lord, that'd be far from you. Go to a cross. And so Peter comes with this question, which has all this embedded in it, and Peter's really looking to the Lord. Why does he ask this question? Because he's looking to the Lord for an affirmation. He wants an affirmation from the Lord Jesus. Peter wants the Lord to say to him, yes, Peter, there is a limit to how many times you have to forgive a person for the same sin. It really doesn't matter to Peter if the number of times that he should forgive the same person is five or six or seven or 10. It doesn't matter. Peter is looking for a realistic number of how many times he has to forgive his brother for the same sin. And the reason he wants this number from the Lord is because he wants an affirmation from the Lord and he wants to get a realistic number that here, because if he hears a realistic number, not 70 times seven, but a realistic number, from the Lord, then 
here is your realistic number. He's gonna hear the Lord say, here's your realistic number of how many times you should forgive. And if Peter, if Peter hears Christ give him a realistic number, like seven, seven, for example, to forgive, then he's gonna hear the Lord say, Peter, it's okay to view forgiveness as strange to you. Peter, it's okay for you to not welcome and embrace another opportunity to be hurt and forgive and to forgive. Peter, it hurts to forgive and it's okay for you not to love to forgive. Peter, it's okay for you to hate to forgive. Peter, it's okay for you to shut away from forgiveness because forgiveness will open the door for you to be taken advantage of, Peter, and it's okay for you to feel danger when you forgive. Peter, it's okay for forgiveness not to be a part of you. You don't have to have this be part of your core identity. That's what he wants to hear from the Lord. Peter, forgiveness is something that has to be limited because if you don't, then you're gonna be hurt in life and you don't wanna be hurt in life. So Peter, he wants to hear all this. And that's a very simple thing. So Lord, we just give me a number because Peter wants to have forgiveness limited Seven's a reasonable number. After all, it's a very holy number from the book of Valeriticus. And, you know. So Peter hears this. He would have been affirmed in his hatred to forgive only if he hears the Lord say to him, yes, Peter, seven is an acceptable number for the maximum times that you have to forgive somebody who keeps doing the same hurt to you over and over again. But Peter was so frustrated. Obviously, we don't know what happened here. But Peter is very frustrated when he asks this question because he's had to endure the same sin done against him over and over and over again from the same person. And he just wants to hear, it's okay, Peter, to draw the line. It's okay to draw the line and say, no more, this much and no more. If you do that to me one more time, I won't forgive you. So when Peter asked this question in verse 21, he was not asking an abstract question. He didn't say something, an abstract question, something like, Lord, how often should a brother sin against uh, his brother and that brother forgive him? Till seven times, that was an abstract question. He didn't ask that. Peter did not ask the question representing the group. He didn't say, Lord, we would like to know how often one of us should endure a sin by another of us and be offended how seven times. He didn't ask these questions because Peter was not asking the abstract. Peter was not asking for the group. Peter was asking for himself personally. In verse 21, when he says, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? So this, is, this appears to be a very private discussion, a question between Peter and the Lord. And Peter was personally very upset about one brother in the group who we don't know who it was. We don't know what the sin was he kept doing. It was very real to Peter. Peter was asking the Lord for permission to stop forgiving him because he keeps doing the same thing. Maybe it was his literal brother. Maybe it was Andrew. He calls him a brother, probably, maybe, who knows? Or maybe it's just another one of the disciples that called each other brothers. I don't know. But it really doesn't matter because for Peter, it was very real, very personal, between him and Christ, and Peter was asking the Lord with a lot of emphasis on me and I and my. And this was a very intense, it was very, the scene here is very intense as Peter locked eyes with the Lord, wanted to put an end to this, this endless cycle of sin and Peter having to forgive. So this is the context here under which the Lord gave Peter his answer, and he gave him his answer. It was very direct. In verse 22, Jesus saith unto him, 
I say not unto thee. I don't say to you, is what Jesus said until seven times, but until 70 times seven, very Middle Eastern way of saying, oh, you know. I mean, that answer the Lord was looking right in the eyes of Peter and said, no, Peter, Peter, no. You may not stop forgiving your brother after seven times for the same sin that he commits against you. And when the Lord said that to Peter, that the number was 70 times seven, which, which by the way, is 490, it wasn't a realistic number. I mean, the Lord was not expecting Peter to start counting the number of times his brother sinned against him. And it's like, so 413, 77 to go. He wasn't expecting that. But Peter knew that with such a number, 70 times 70, 490, Peter was hearing the Lord say, there's no limit. Peter heard 70 times 7. Peter might as well have heard 4.3 trillion. It didn't matter. It was so high. It didn't matter. It was limitless. And so we can see Peter just stunned by the answer and wondering, why? Why? Why did Peter have to forgive his brother without limit? Why is it so important for Peter to keep on suffering, keep on enduring, keep on being hurt from his brother's sin against him, for Peter just to keep on forgiving him? And the Lord replies without Peter saying why. He gives him the why. And the why is, verse 23, therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And so the Lord explains now to Peter why it's so important for Peter to keep on forgiving. And in the explanation, the Lord has chosen a story, a parable, with a very sharp point to be, or points really, to be taught. This is a parable that's going to teach about heaven the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, it's heaven itself. It's a parable about a certain king, this certain king in the kingdom of heaven, this certain king is the, is the king of the Jews. This is King Jesus that he's talking to Peter about. And when we see that, we say, oh, I see, the Lord Jesus is going to teach Peter about himself using a certain king to represent him. Okay, got it. And so he goes on. We see this certain king, and he's taking account of his servants. This is what Christ will do. From John 5.22, John 5.22, he said, The Father judges no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Romans 14.12 says, 14.12, Romans 14.12, So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. 2 Corinthians 5.10, 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, So we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to you done, whether it be good or bad. Every person's body has been your body, my body, has been given to us on loan by Christ. And Christ is going to ask for an account on exactly what we did with the body that was loaned to us. Say, what did you do with that body I gave you to use on earth? And another one of Christ's teaching parables, he said in Matthew 25, 14, Matthew 25, 14, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered to them his goods. Unto one, he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man, according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded the same and made them five other talents. Likewise, he that received the two he gained other two, but he that received the one went and digged in the earth, hid his Lord's money. After a long while, the Lord of those servants 
cometh and reckoneth with them. So every person in this parable, every person in this story here has been given money and has been given possessions in their life on earth by Christ. In Matthew 25, 19, 25, 19, it says, after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. After a long time, Christ is going to bring everyone in front of him and say, say, what did you do with that money that I gave you and those possessions that I gave you to use on earth? So in this parable, the king starts to take account of his servants, the one here in Matthew 18. And most people today, they think that, well, if there is a God, he really doesn't care. He doesn't care about what goes on down here on planet earth. He's out to lunch someplace. But he does. And the reason that everybody just has been died and brought to judgment to God right now is because God is in a state of waiting and hoping. God right now is waiting and hoping. Hoping for what? He's hoping for 1 Timothy 2.4. 1 Timothy 2.4. He will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He's hoping that men will just wake up and one day understand the truth that they are sinners bound for hell and that Christ died for their sins. He's hoping that all men will come on their own to the truth, come to the knowledge of the truth. And the truth is, John 14, 6, a person, John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So what it means for a person to come to the knowledge of the truth is a person comes to Christ because he's the truth. And that's what he said in John 5, 40. John 5, 40, you will not come to me that you might have life. And a person who has to come to Christ to be saved, and so therefore it says in Matthew twenty-two thirty, Matthew twenty-two thirty, that Christ sent forth his servant to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. Just to call, not to push, not to drag, but just come. That's the call of Revelation twenty-two seventeen. Revelation twenty-two seventeen, where the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him that heareth say, come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. So God is in this state of waiting and hoping. He's hoping for every person to come to Christ to be saved. Why? Why is he waiting and hoping? Because of 2 Peter 3, 9, 2 Peter 3, 9, where it says, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So as the Lord is explaining about heaven, what heaven is like in this passage here, the Lord is explaining about what heaven is like. He starts by telling about this certain king, and the certain king represents Christ himself, and he reveals that this certain king is a king who is uh, meticulous. He's pretty careful. He's a meticulous judge, and then he explains that there's a certain person who is brought to the king, and he has this enormous debt in verse 24. When he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. He's got a 10,000 talents. Now, in today's money, one talent is the same as $3,000. So 10,000 talents is equivalent today to $30 million. He owes $30 million. So this person has a debt of $30 million, enormous amount. And it's interesting that Christ said that this person was brought to the king. He didn't come on his own steam. In verse 24, verse 24, one was brought unto him. And no wonder he's not running to the king. He owes $30 million to the king. And that debt is crushing. And there's just no way 
in his lifetime that he's ever going to pay that debt, even though he promises he will. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.